Hi gang, Andrew here. Uh, I am eschewing a regular ad today like we normally do, uh, and instead I just want to pitch you uh, two quick things. One is that we are open for you to pitch us on stuff. That was a weird word choice on my behalf, but yeah. Uh, we are looking to pick up a couple new shows on the network. So if you are interested, uh, if you go to our Twitter, that is at Moonshot Pods, you'll find a link to our pitch guide. Um, send us the show that you already do. Send us the show you're about to start working on. Send us the idea for a show that you have that you might want our help to refine. Uh, we're looking to pick up some new shows in the new year, and we would love for you to be on that list. So send us your information, and we'd love to have you be a part of our network. Aside from that, I also wanted to give a quick shout out and do a basically an ad. Uh, we've got a Patreon. Our Patreon's really cool. Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, Riley does a show where we interview one of the moonshotters every month to get just like a, hey, who are you outside of talking about ARGs or talking about romance novels? Getting to know uh, people and their creative journeys along the way. We also have a Patreon-only show called Once Missed Wonders, where a bunch of us sit down and watch a movie we've never seen before. Uh, one that's a classic. This month was Legally Blonde. Um, we've got some cool stuff uh, behind the scenes, as well as early releases of some of our shows over on the Moonshot Patreon. That's uh, go to Patreon and search for Moonshot. You'll find us. All right, on to the show. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Marn. And this is the Argonauts Podcast. Every two weeks I fail to solve an ARG and Marn tells me what I should have done instead. That's true. And this week we are starting another long multi-parter. It's time. I'm excited. No more sprints. It's time for marathons. What are we getting into? We are going to talk about Find the Lost Ring or simply The Lost Ring. Uh, which was an ARG quote-unquote initiated by McDonald's as part of their marketing for the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing, China. Huh. I, well, we, we have a couple of questions that came in this week, and I think the people really focused on the phrase initiated with, by McDonald's. <laughs> they really uh, did. So I've got some important uh, McDonald's questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one comes into us from HopePunk13 and says... If you could turn any mundane activity into an Olympic sport with medals and the whole deal, what would you choose? Do you do you have a routine activity that you would be the Olympic gold medalist in? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like making a quick dinner, maybe. Ooh, just like slapping together a meal that tastes good. Yeah. You get like. So is judging, would that be judged based on you get flavor points, but you also get like uh, deductions to your time based on different things? I think unlike like Iron Chef or Chopped, it would be judged primarily on time. And then the second kind of qualification would be like, will this poison you? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I know that uh, you'll occasionally get on Chopped to like... Someone will be like, ah, well, the fun thing about the dish that you've served me is that uh, it both has your blood in it and also is undercooked to the point that this would poison me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are going to have to give you deductions and you're going to carry this around to your event as well. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, can't just can't just slap together. Uh, Tada! Here's my dish. It's uh-huh. it's uh, medium rare chicken fingers. Yeah, bone apple teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah! I I want there to be a uh, Olympic trading card sorting. I think that's something Ooh. that I do very well. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that. Uh, I think players don't get to know the game that they have to sort ahead of time. Um, they're just sat at a table with, uh, maybe they each get the same thing. They get like a notebook. They get like one of those little sort trays that you'll see in a card game shop. Uh, and then at some point, um, the judges bring out a fat pack box and set it in front of each person and they just say, go. And I think that the people have to sort them the best that they can, but then they also have to explain their sorting system to the judges. So you get points based on how, um, Ooh, maybe not. Maybe what you actually get instead is that, uh, once you're done sorting, the judges ask you to find specific cards and whoever can find them the quickest wins. That's very fun. I love that. (laughs) I I think this could be a hit, I, and I think that I would be good at it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Ignore uh, you. You only agree because you don't see my desk at the moment, um, <laughs> which is where I got the idea uh, and chores I need to do. Um, but other than that, uh, we got a couple of McDonald's questions that came in. Yeah, what's your go-to McDonald's order? Ooh, uh, McChicken and M M&M and M McFlurry. Nice, classic, simple. Or, or chicken nuggets. Or just, uh, um, are you, do you like McDonald's fries? That's an important question. Yes, I am a McDonald's fries person. Okay. So yeah, I, I usually get the meal so that I can have fries. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm a uh, quarter pounder deluxe guy. And if I'm really feeling it, I'll, I, I will attempt to order a hot fudge sundae. It works about a quarter of the time. <laughs> yeah. In um, in college we had a twenty four hour McDonald's like down the street, so I'd walk there sometimes at like eleven p.m. to get chicken nuggets. Hell yeah! I will say my favorite thing to get at McDonald's. I love, I love their shitty little uh, sausage burritos that they have for breakfast. Ooh, I've never had those. Those I would just. When they serve 24-hour breakfast, everyone else was like, ooh, I'm so excited. I can get a McGriddle whenever I want. McGriddles are garbage. Don't at me. (laughs) I was like, give me my burger and slap a couple of burritos on the side. Nice. They're cheesy and eggy and kind of gross, but in the right way. Yeah, I can see that. Hell yeah. Now that we know our food, uh, (laughs) this is now officially the Argonauts Happy Meal that we just assembled. Yeah. Uh, Didgery wants to know what the toys would be. Ooh. I think you get one of those little um the shitty puzzles where you get stuff with red on it and then you get a little red lens that you have to look through to see it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. I thought you were gonna say like what like a slider puzzle, but no, I like yours too. I think you get a slider puzzle too. I think it's gonna be a bunch of puzzles that almost work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the Happy Meal toys will just be like a note like you would get in a fortune cookie and it says meet me here at a certain <laughs> time and date uh, but the time and date is in the past oh my god you get like a shitty Rubik's Cube <laughs> you solve it and you're just like wait a minute this guy has two yellow pieces on the same square yeah. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it says about us that we that our first instinct was like, yeah, shitty puzzles, <laughs> broken toys. <laughs> oh, you're getting an Argonauts meal. No fun for you. <laughs> Only education. Only education and not even that educational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then last question. This one comes into us from our friend Sylvie, who says, what's your favorite Olympic event? Ooh, I like figure skating a lot. Yeah, figure skating rules. My uh, my wife and I watch that every every Winter Olympics. Yeah. Um, also, the last time the Summer Olympics were on, um, I was like on vacation with Alyssa's family and we just like had the TV going in the background and we got really into watching uh, skateboarding. Oh, yeah. Last year, skateboarding was really cool. Yeah, because it's all, like, really, really young competitors Mm -hmm. just, like, doing crazy skateboard tricks. Yeah. My my wife is a huge Olympics fan. She... She told me before we started recording, she was like, if you tell them about how much I love the Olympics, you have to let people know that I know how terrible they are. Yeah. Uh, So don't don't at Sam. She understands. Um, But she loves just, like... A bunch of competitors getting together to try and achieve their dreams. It's what they've worked for their whole lives. And now it's time for the Olympics. Time to put it all on the ice. Um, she loves it. It's her favorite thing. And so we watch like every year. And a couple years ago, the big talking point was like, there's this guy, Nathan Shen. He's a great figure skater. Nathan Shen's going to do this. Nathan oh, Shen's yeah, going yeah. uh-huh. to kick a bunch of ass. And then he got out and proceeded to shit the bed entirely. I think yeah. it's the official Olympic term. Yep. <laughs> um, and so now Sam and I are, we just know Nathan Shen as that guy that shits the bed. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so anytime he comes up, they're just like, Nathan Shen's about to skate. And we're just like, oh, he'll shit the bed. Uh, <laughs> and then he doesn't. And he's great because he's a really good skater. He just uh-huh. had a bad year one year. <laughs> Uh, but then we moved to a to a certain town that it turns out is where he practices. Holy apparently, shit. where apparently where we live is a big hub for Olympic figure skating, and we had no idea. Um, so we're just like we're gonna run into that guy that shits the bed somewhere <laughs> that we go. We're we're ready for it at any time. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I Maryland. The big thing is uh, like a a bunch of Olympic swimmers are from here. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Like, Michael Phelps is a Marylander, and one of my college friends went to high school with Katie Ledecky. Ooh. Yeah. Is that because of the bay? They just all get in, and you go in a child, and you come out an adult? Yeah, exactly. Is that basically how Ch- Chesapeake Bay works? Okay. Uh-huh, that's basically how it works. Okay. <laughs> Also, before we go any further, and now that I've said the phrase shit the bed a bunch, uh, which my mom isn't going to like because she doesn't like it when I cuss on podcasts, <laughs> I do want to say uh, I went to your wedding not too long ago and I had a very nice conversation with your mom in which she told me that she listens to every episode, even though she has no idea what it's about. Yep. Um, and my mom does the same thing. So before <laughs> we go any further, I do want to say hi, moms. Hi, moms. Thanks for the support and for checking us out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said the word shit the bed like eight times already this episode. Um, I'll do my best not to cuss on podcasts anymore. That's not going to happen. Also, it was super nice to meet you, Mark's mom. <laughs>
On that note, uh, what do you say we get into everyone's favorite topic, the Olympics? Uh, you want to tell me about Find the One Ring? Yeah, so Find the, find the One Ring. Is it the Lost Ring? Am I getting yes, into... the Lost Ring. Sorry. No, this is, this is not a crossover with uh, Lord of the Rings. I would play a Lord of the Rings arg. Yeah, tell me more about Ring, Ring, Ring Goes the Trolley, Marn. So, Find the Lost Ring was made in collaboration between McDonald's, a company called AKQA, who is perhaps most known for designing the user interface for the Xbox 360. Love those guys. Okay. (laughs) And Jane McGonigal, a game designer who was the community lead and lead designer on I Love Bees. Okay, we're in for a good time. Yeah. We're in for um, a good time and a long time. I know. I've, I've kind of had this one in the back pocket because I was like, do we want to wait till like the next Winter Olympics to do this? Um, <laughs> you, you suggested it and I googled when is Winter yeah. Olympics and it turns out it was this year. So oh, no. I don't know what's happening anymore. That already happened this actual year. Oh, it sure did, huh? Yeah, so I was like, oh, well, we don't want to wait for that. That'll be a yeah. long time to go. Um, And I, I figured we had it done like a a weirdly big, like, corporate-sponsored one from, like, the mid-aughts in a while. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you get the Olympic Committee involved, and that means that, like, oh, budget can be infinite. I'm uh-huh. sure it won't, like, but it's, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes. Yes. So this was 2008. This started on February 29th, 2008. Um, And it started with 50 different bloggers and, like, well-known, like, ARG community members and players, most of whom I I suspect had been involved with, like, I Love Bees and stuff like that, um, receiving packages in the mail on February 29th. God, I love an ARG that starts with an analog event. Yeah. I, <laughs> truly, they just don't make them like they used to. Not, not a lot of people getting mysterious packages anymore these for the days. Record, <laughs> for the record, if you want to start an ARG by sending a package to people, uh, argonautspodcast at gmail.com, uh, I'll give you my P.O. box. Yeah, same. Literally. <laughs> I never check my P.O. box, but I will for you. (laughs) (laughs) Marn, there are like six trailheads in that P.O. box. (laughs) Um, So packages went out and they had memorabilia related to the 1920 Summer Olympics in them. That's Uh, sick. They had postcards, a poster, and a ball of yarn. Okay. Uh, And written on the backs of the postcards were the following messages. Uh, March 3rd, 2008, find her. March 4th, 2008, question mark, question mark, find the others. March 5th, 2008, question mark, find him. March 11th, question mark, find the secret. August 24th, 2008, save the world. Huh, okay. Uh, And inside... The ball Is this of about yarn. Heroes? <laughs> no, I, I wish though. I think there was okay. a heroes arg. Um, so inside the ball of yarn was a piece of paper that led players to find the lost ring.com. 
and basically all that uh that was on it right now was just like a message that was like hey the site is being worked on and it should be up monday morning and it was signed kai huh yeah and then on march 3rd uh when you you say signed kai sorry when you say signed kai do you mean like kingdom hearts kai or do you mean like k-a-i uh like k-a-i okay uh, the message was, Ariadne, hanging, hang in there. My guys are working on the site as we speak. I had to call in a lot of favors to get something built so quickly, but trust me, you're going to love it. It's exactly what you need. I'll get the guys to work all weekend on it. It should be up first thing Monday morning. Get the video ready. I'm sure someone will recognize you, Kai. Okay. Uh, and, and then... For those that don't know, Ariadne is the villain from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> And then on March 3rd, the site properly went live, um, and the players got to meet Ariadne. She posted a video, uh, and and she like had a blog on this website, and she posted a video called Meet Kai that uh, was just a little introduction to Kai, uh, who had posted a video to her saying like hi like i'm happy to hear from you i can totally set up this website for you and also do the details um she also posted some of her own blog posts uh one the first one was called how i got here part one uh and it explained that uh on february 12th she woke up in the hospital and had a rare case of amnesia. Um, Hmm. And she couldn't remember like who she was or where she was from. But according to the doctors, her body was in Olympic caliber condition. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my doctor tells me when I go visit her too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the doctor started calling her Ariadne because she had woken up in a labyrinth carved into a cornfield in South Africa. As, as you do. As one does. Uh, she also posted how I got here part two, uh, where she talked about meeting Kai in the hospital because he was there with a broken toe. Uh, and they exchanged their stories and, Kai, like, took her out to, like, explore the city, trying to jog her memory, uh, and then bought her a laptop. Hmm. Neat. Yeah. Um, and also, she had posted a blog post, call it, saying, the strange dream I keep having, what does it mean? Uh, talking about how she keeps reliving uh the moments where she like woke up in the labyrinth in her mind um and she says in her dream she's like struggling to remove a pair of goggles um but in the second half of her dream she's surrounded by six pairs of goggles and she hears voices calling to her in other languages um and she feels deep down that it's a message and she should know more about it okay Uh, And then she posted a picture of the goggles and said, I woke up with these covering my eyes, kind of a cross between goggles and a blindfold. 
Plus, I was wearing this weird stretchy workout thing. <laughs> I will post the picture for you. Okay. <laughs> if you have any idea what these things are, maybe it will help explain what happened to me. Is she getting ready for like an archery event or something? Maybe. Okay, yeah, it's like a sports equipment, but only on one shoulder. Yeah. She also posted a image of a tattoo on her arm uh, that reads Trovu Laringan Perditan uh, and said, if this makes sense to you or you've seen this kind of tattoo before, please email me or leave a comment. My email is ariadnelost at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, Trovu Larengi Ungdatan is, uh, that's Legolas's dad, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, she also posted a photo of the corn maze she woke up in, which was apparently a tourist attraction uh, outside of Johannesburg, and said, usually it's quite busy this time of year, but I woke up in the labyrinth alone on a day there were no tours scheduled. Huh. Yeah. Um, and lastly, she posted a video blog that was kind of a call to action saying, like, I need your help. I need you to, like, tell me if you recognize me or if you know who I am because I have amnesia um, and the local police don't have any, like, missing persons reports that sound like me. But I woke up two weeks ago in a cornfield and no one here knows me and I don't know who I am. Um <laughs> And like she says, the doctors say my accent my accent doesn't sound local. Maybe it's American. Maybe it's English. They don't know. Even though my brain is scrambled, I don't have a scratch on my body and not one bump on my head. The doc the doctors are baffled. I am a genuine medical mystery. <clears throat> okay. Uh, she also says that she found out her uh, her tattoo is Esperanto for Find the Lost Ring. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and she said, maybe there's an Olympic team out there who's been wondering why I've been skipping practice. I sure hope so. Isn't there anyone out there who knows me? Someone who's worried sick about me, wondering if I'm okay. Um, and that was basically the, the point of the video. Like, hey, do you know who I am? Do you have any clues? Leave me a comment or send me an email. And that <laughs> was kind Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, that, that, that was kind of the plot hook for the ARG. Do we think that this is, have we seen like a picture of her or anything? Is this somewhere that we're trying to like actually, like is the puzzle right now like, hey, figure out who this is? Or is this just like setting the stage for what's going to happen later, we think? So, yes. So she does appear in the video blog, like she appears on camera. Um, I think it was really just setting, setting the stage. Cool. Okay. Um... Because I, I don't know that players could find a real person with that little information. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, then on March 3rd, a new character was found. Uh, his name was Marcus. Uh, and he was found through a Flickr profile uh, of his tattoo... Uh, okay. which matched Ariadne's, uh, which had a caption reading, 
in German that was translated from German. Uh, this tattoo, I have no idea where it comes from or in which language it is written. What could that mean? So is are these posts happening simultaneously with Ariadne's posts? Yeah. So all of is her... This, yeah. So is this like a multilingual ARG trying to get multiple trailheads going? Kind of. Yes. Cool. I mean, that makes sense for the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so her... So Ariadne's posts went up like the first through the third, I think, of March. And then March 3rd, uh, the players started finding like profiles of other characters. Cool. Um, so they found Marcus from Germany. Uh, they found three other people. They found Mei Hui through a video that had uh oh no they found her through a through a oh yeah they found her through a youtube video that had the same title as the like esperanto tattoo um and it was her speaking in mandarin about how she had woken up in a cave in china three weeks ago um and she couldn't remember anything about herself except that she had a mysterious tattoo this all sounds like my favorite this all sounds like the setup for my favorite young adult novel about (laughs) mysterious olympic teens ready to find out what's going on before competing in the big game yeah (laughs) um they i think they found out through Marcus's flicker that he'd woken up in the UK or they like deduced that he had woken up in the UK. Um, they also found Diego who had posted on high five, which is a website that I don't think exists anymore. No, I don't think so. Oh yeah. It still exists, but nobody uses it. I assume. Sure. It's Uh, like MySpace. Yeah. It's like MySpace. Uh, where he had posted a bunch of photos. One was of the tattoo, uh, and one said in Spanish, I have amnesia. Do you recognize me? Have you ever seen me? Uh, and he had woken up in a labyrinth in Argentina. Huh. Okay. Um, and they also found, uh, a woman named Noriko through her blog, uh, in which she uh, she also posted that she had like woken up in Okayama with a mysterious tattoo, um, and basically like the the same story, like, "Hey, do you know who I am? I have this mystery tattoo. I I woke up and I don't remember who I am." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have we have our our five our five protagonists. And the players started messaging these guys through, like, all of the social media apps that they had, like, found them on, um, being like, hello, yes, like, we know someone else who is, like, in your, in your predicament and, like, trying to kind of get them together, um, and trying to get them in contact with each other. But obviously there was, like, a language barrier 
preventing them from discussing their circumstances. Um, they found out via like DMs and emails that uh, all of them had woken up wearing different kinds of blindfolds. Uh, they had all woken up wearing athletic clothing and like athletic shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've all been having dreams of like curves and lines and patterns. <laughs> okay, I assume their 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 dreams are all just whatever CG video that leads into the next Olympics is. <laughs> Maybe I've seen enough <laughs> Olympic games starting the bum 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 Yeah, I've seen this. I know their dreams. Yeah. Um, and Ariadne posted some blog entries, um, saying that uh, the best theory that the players had proposed was that she was an Olympian, and so were the other people uh, who had been found, and... <clears throat> She thought that the next step was to find a connection between the quote-unquote lost ring and the Olympics. Uh, she also said that she had been practicing Tai Chi and picking it up instantly, and she felt that she had had like some kind of muscle memory to do with it. Sure. Uh, she also posted and said that there were actually six other people uh, like her, so seven in total... Uh, and she linked all of their blogs. Uh, the missing people were Lucy, who uh, is French and who had woken up in uh, the Church of Notre Dame. Hmm. Uh, and Renata, who uh, ha- had woken up like years ago, but. Okay. She so some so a character in character commented on Ariadne's blog about uh, this woman named Renata saying like oh I knew her I I knew this woman who was like also an amnesiac on like a very weird mission and like her situation sounded very similar to yours um, and she went missing several years ago. Um, and the post specifically said, uh, that was posted on the 6th, said, One day Re- Renata begged for us to go travel. We packed a bag and took a bus to Goas Veljo. Vejo? It was one of the best trips I've done. I laughed all the time with her... I'm not quite sure how to, about a word to translate this. Basically, it means Renata was saying silly songs for them to laugh. This is translated from Spanish, by the way. We okay. had to run after the bus because she liked exploring the vegetation around every step. Renata would wake up early and go hiking every morning. One day, she disappeared in Cerrado. This was the necklace I gave her. Renata loved it and wore it all the time. I know she wouldn't leave it behind. Was she trying to tell me something? I can't believe she would just leave with no explanation. Um, and a picture of the of the necklace that she had left behind. Huh. So, all in all, six people with amnesia plus one who had been in a similar situation, uh, like, years ago and then abruptly mm-hmm. vanished. Okay. So, what's, what's... My vibe looking at this is that I'm assuming, like... 
future athletes sent back in time and they have amnesia. Ooh, that's an interesting theory. That that's my gut. I I could see also like a few like past athletes sent forward, but that seems a little weirder and it doesn't make sense that they have like modern-ish looking athleisure wear. So mm. my my gut says time traveling or like dimension hopping athletes, but mm-hmm. I feel like time travel feels it sounds weird to say time travel feels more grounded or more uh, possible, but that's where my brain is. Yeah. So on. Ah, sorry. I clicked on a link that took me somewhere I didn't want to. So on March 5th, um, Ariadne suggested doing more research on the Olympic Games. Um and the players went to the official Olympic Games site. Okay. And they found that in the lower left-hand corner of the page, there was a banner linking to a podcast series on the Lost Games Ancient Olympic Mysteries. Hmm. Which, when, this is the, you said 08 Beijing Olympics, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I forget podcasts were around back then, but they they certainly were. They certainly were. Since there were pods, there have been casts. <laughs> uh, and these podcasts were uh, were done by Eli Hunt, who was a British historian um, who was purportedly publishing a book called The Lost Games. Okay. Uh, and he hosted two podcasts. Uh, one was... The Lost Sport of Olympia. Okay. And it was about a loss, like a a sport that had been forgotten for almost 2,000 years that, like, had (laughs) been discovered on a piece of, like, Athenian pottery. Okay. Is this kind of like how they're... Eventually, you occasionally get things where people are just like, oh, like, here's a new uh, sport that we've found out that they used to play where they hit a ball and do a hole on the side of the thing, like the old Aztec sport, where like every once in a while you're just like, oh, here's new stuff that kind of puts into concept what these weird hoops we found were. Turns out it's for a game. Yeah, it was basically like, here's all of this like archaeological and like anthropological evidence for like there was an Olympic sport that people played where they were blindfolded um, and it, like, apparently got abandoned over the centuries. Okay. Uh, And there was a little quiz at the end of the podcast that you could take to see if you were paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) We should start putting this into our podcast. Oh my god. (laughs) Just don't make me start taking a quiz at the end of the episode. I can barely remember them. <laughs> there was also a episode called The Ancient Gamekeepers. Ooh. Uh, which was about a earthquake on uh, the Greek island of Kefalonia revealing an ancient stone chamber that had been buried um, that okay. had... Like a a hidden room that uncovered secrets about the gamekeepers of the Olympics, like the ancient caretakers of the games. Huh. Okay. Uh, and and Eli speculates that this was like 
a meeting room for the uh, the Olympic caretakers. <laughs> okay. Um, and Ariadne posted on her blog, uh, this guy knows more about the lost ring than he's saying. Eli Hunt is some kind of expert on the weird mysteries of the ancient Olympics. He's running a podcast series called The Lost Games, and it's all about forgotten mysteries and urban legends of the Olympics. This is the first connection we found between the lost ring and the Olympics, and Mr. Hunt clearly knows more about the lost ring than he's saying. Now all we have to do is figure out how to get him to talk. Yeah, we gotta find the find the lost rings guy. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Exactly. Um, apparently, I'm scared this... because I haven't heard the words McDonald's yet. Uh huh. <laughs> Are you expecting to? <laughs> well, I when I heard that this was a game kicked off by McDonald's, I assumed that like someone opened a Big Mac and found I I don't know an Olympic ring inside that had coordinates on it or something. Ah, uh, well, I also don't. I I genuinely like I I read over a, a bunch of this. I didn't find anything like super explicitly McDonald'sy, but that doesn't mean that there's not anything in there. It just means <laughs> I didn't run into it. Ronald McDonald is the final boss of this ARG. <laughs> That's why we haven't seen him in so long. He got killed at the end of an ARG about the Olympics. Oh my god! Could you fucking imagine? <laughs> Marn language. Our moms are listening. <laughs> Um, Eli also had an FAQ on his uh, on his site, and the first question was, "Why are you so interested in ancient Olympic history?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the other questions is, "What do you think was the greatest archaeological find of the past hundred years?" Okay. Uh, but the last question on there was, how do I find the lost ring? And the answer was, for the last time, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, he also had a bio page that said, some people call me an amateur historian. Others call me an adventurer. I see myself as an investigator. What do I investigate? <laughs> Ancient Olympic mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be my new co-host bio. <laughs> uh, and, a, and a story that talks about uh, when his parents took him on an educational trip to the ruins of ancient Olympia. And he like ran away and pulled a bronze statue out of a pile of rubble. <laughs> <laughs> and was named a young hero of history. <laughs> <laughs> for finding a lost work by the greatest of all ancient Greek sculptures. God. Oh my god. <laughs> um <laughs> Meanwhile, a bunch of the other our, our other amnesiac friends uh had written in like their blog posts and emails that they suddenly had like words and numbers come into their mind as they had been like going about their day. Um, okay. Diego had mytho mythopia and the number six, nine, six. Mayhui had the name Sophia and also the number six, nine, six. Uh, and Marcus had the word Thumos and the same number. And 
Noriko had Sofrasune and also 696. And so people were like, huh, I wonder what that means. Okay. Uh, people who signed up for Eli's mailing list uh, or emailed him got emails back saying, uh, I'm quite busy preparing for an important lecture this weekend, but rest assured I will be in touch for the future. Uh, and someone emailed him back asking where the lecture was. And he said, the lecture is an event for a benevolent association in Cardiff. Unfortunately, it is a private event for members only. Uh, and the players relayed this information to Ariadne. And she decided to go to Cardiff to confront Eli Hunt. Okay. Uh, and said on her blog, I'm going to Cardiff to confront him and I'm not leaving until he agrees to tell us everything he knows. Whether he likes it or not, Mr. Hunt is going to help us figure out how we got our... How we got amnesia, what our tattoos mean. I promise I'll tell you how it goes. And also said, P.S. Thanks for having my back, guys. It means the world to me. But you don't need to be there for Hunt's lecture. I'm tougher than I look. I can handle Mr. Hunt on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't try to go to a random lecture hall in Cardiff. Yeah. (laughs) Look, it's about the Olympics. What we need to do is to go to, we need to go to Greece. Uh, And then we just need to look around a bit. Maybe we'll find Uh something in a pot. (laughs) Uh, She also posted a little video that said that Kai was going to help her get into the private lecture. Um, And that was her plan. Okay. Uh, One of the players emailed him and said, like, Hey, I'm an illustration major at this university and I'm taking like a senior seminar about like iconography and art and the classical myth and like I find your theories about a lost Olympic sport very interesting. Um, do you like, can I maybe get some details on the lecture that you're giving this weekend? Um, <laughs> and Eli said, uh, I am pleased that an artist such as yourself has taken an interest in my research. Recreating ancient artifacts <laughs> is a true passion of mine, as you may have noticed from my podcast series. Although I must confess that I am not much of an illustrator myself, and so I am always interested in meeting potential future collaborators. Perhaps you will keep my research in mind if you are looking for an interesting project to further your university studies. As for the lecture, it has been especially commissioned by a private client, and as a matter of respect, I keep the names of my clients confidential. Indeed, I'm quite sure this group would not want to advertise their interest in this particular lecture topic. It's quite unorthodox. Of course, (laughs) many of my lectures are outside the mainstream of research, as you may have surmised. However, I anticipate a lively discussion, as I believe my research is a perfect fit for the group. Let's just say there are some odd fellows in the bunch. I want to give this guy a swirly so bad. I know! (laughs) It's incredible to me how they nailed the character of, like, annoying history podcaster, like, before uh that really became a thing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is how I email people from the Argonauts email address all the time, but I give myself a swirly for that one. Like, none of us are exempt. Um, And using the clue, there are some odd fellows in the bunch uh, the players found uh, that the lecture was most likely at the Oddfellows Friendly Society in Cardiff. 
And so they were able to get that information to Ariadne and tell her where to go. Okay. And uh, the the person who scammed the hint out of Eli just, like emailed her and was like, "Hey, I've been following your blog, and we have reason to believe that like here is where the private function is." Uh, and Ariadne was like, "Wow, thank you. I I'm going there tomorrow morning." <laughs> Um, on March 7th, um, findthelostring.com updated with uh, sections for all of the other characters' blogs. Um, originally, it had just been Ariadne's blog, but then it updated to include Marcus, Diego, Lucy, Noriko, Mehui, and Larissa. Uh, Larissa being... Uh, not one of the amnesiacs, but the person who knew Renata before she disappeared. Okay. And the lostring.com became active and it had a trailer on it. Ooh. Well, it had a it had a collage of like different pictures from the ARG. Uh and it also like a like a little clue board. Um, and it also had a trailer. I'm going to see if anyone has put this up on YouTube. Probably okay. not, I would assume. While we're looking, is when did this all come out? 2008. But is it like, is this happening two weeks before the Olympics or like six months oh, before? This when? is happening in March. So, okay. Like, yeah, several months before. Okay. So nobody. I guess look, with us looking at this, we're just like, yeah, of course, this is about like the upcoming Olympics when they start talking about athletes. But like when this ARG first starts, it's just kind of like, oh, here's some. Well, never mind. The first clue was a box of Olympics memorabilia. Never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So the first trailer, I do have image grabs from it, uh, had text snippets uh, hidden in it that said, when you are ready to receive data, look to Delphi. Uh, okay. It had a, like, weird night vision, like, overhead shot of Bryant Park in New York. Uh, it had a partial piece of text that said the code over top. The code. Uh, and then some blurry Greek letters. Uh, and then it had, um, and the Greek letters people found uh, were probably translated to different cities in Greece, uh, like Olympia, Thebes, Argos, Athena, and some others. Um, and they attempted to map it out, but they didn't find anything super interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, on the blog... Uh, Larissa posted and said, I think the evidence on Eli Hunt's research has to be true. What if the lost game is still being played by people like Renata? If this is the, if this is the truth, how do they keep it a secret or underground and why? How did it survive through the centuries? Why don't more people know about it? And why is it so important? I don't understand why Renata, Ariadne, and the rest have amnesia. What if they were given amnesia to keep them from telling the secrets of the game? How does a person make 
Greek others have amnesia. I wonder if this information will help the others. I know they are remembering Greek words. Will Eli's information unlock more memories? I hope Bernada, who wherever she may be, can see all of this. Okay. And on March 8th, um, Diego emailed the players and said that she had received or he had received a email from another Spanish girl who had with a similar story um, saying that uh, her, uh, her great uncle used to tell her a a story similar uh, to his about like something that happened to a man that he knew many years ago um, who had like, woken up with amnesia and like disappeared um and she was like oh i was really surprised when i like saw your profile and your photos and like saw that this had happened to you because it was like a story that i remembered hearing when i was really little um and like here are uh some like like some photos of me and like a postcard that has to do with my uncle's story um, and Diego forwarded this on to the players, saying, um, I don't know if I should believe this. This could have happened after she saw, like, our videos and, like, decided to make up her own thing. But on the other hand, like, she has this postcard that is, like, clearly from a while ago and, like, has dates on it. Um, so, like, maybe it's actually a clue. And does this postcard have any meaning to you guys? And, like, should I answer her email? Hmm. Okay. Oh, the U- so the YouTube videos actually still exist, apparently. Oh, um, perfect. It is very cool that uh, the YouTube videos have all of them speaking in their native languages. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, and people just straight up had to translate them. I, I kind of love that. <laughs> I, I like that a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, the postcard I will send you a picture of. Uh, says Il Multiverso on it. <laughs> on the left. <laughs> Which I don't feel that I have to translate for you. Uh, no, I think I can handle that one. <laughs> uh, and then it says, Estamos aquí, y aquí, y aquí, y aquí. And every one of those has uh, coordinates underneath. So, like, we are here and here and here and here. Um, and the coordinates are Madrid. London, Copenhagen, Boston, Toronto, and Rio de Janeiro. Okay. And so the the players are able to solve that. Um, and I mean, I don't know that that proves that that Monica is legit, but <laughs> at least there was a puzzle on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they also found that in, uh, in Eli Hunt's second podcast, he had mentioned the six attributes of an athlete in Greece, uh, which were which matched up to the like Greek names that the amnesiacs had suddenly remembered. Um, and they translate to wisdom, courage, charm, leadership, temperance, and storytelling. Okay. Uh, and the players also found that the number 696 was probably a reference to 2008 being the 696th Olympiad since the first Olympiad. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Ariadne also posted on March 8th a blog entry um, 
that said, We did it! We finally convinced Eli Hunt to tell us what he knows about the Lost Ring. Well, sort of. He made a confession with a secret podcast. It explains a few very (laughs) important things, like how he first heard about the Lost Ring and why he's been lying about it. But obviously we all know that there are still a million things he's not sharing yet. Mr. Hunt, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Hunt also sent us the link for some strange secret portal site. It's transmitting geographic data from somewhere. So far, we have no idea what the data means or who made the site, although it seems to know a lot about us, which is very creepy. The six of us who woke up in Labyrinths with amnesia, we all had to enter our biometrics to en- activate the site. <laughs> hmm. Normal. Normal. Very normal. Extremely normal. <laughs> Um, and she goes on to say, like, hey, you should take a look at the site. Uh, if Eli, like, knows what it's for, he's not telling, and he's not even, like, telling me how he found it. Um, I'm -hmm. sure he, like, doesn't want me to post all this, but I, like... I'm wondering about, like, the different data points on the site, and, like, I feel that, uh... We have to figure out what they represent in order to unlock the real purpose of the site. Okay. Um, she also posted a little, like, itemized breakdown on how she, like, got access to the, uh, to the lecture. Um, (laughs) and was like, oh yeah, I found out that Eli Hunt, like, had an office at, uh, like, at the place where he was supposed to give a lecture because he has a fellowship there. So I snuck into his office and I begged him for help, but I made him look at my tattoo. (laughs) 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 And she's like, I told him I just like needed 10 minutes of his time. And I like showed him all of our blog entries. And I told him about all the different like people who woke up with amnesia, but it, And it, like, triggered something in his brain, and there was no turning back, so he, uh, he told me, like, to come meet him the next day, and he left a note for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the note says, Dear Ariadne, this will sound very strange, but I think I've been waiting my entire life to meet you. I've spent decades preparing for this moment, but before we go forward, I need to be sure. I thought I met someone like you years ago. I thought the moment had arrived, but I was wrong, and I believe that my mistake caused a great deal of suffering, countless tragedies that I could never undo. This guy's talking about a podcast about the (laughs) Olympic Games that don't exist. If I'm wrong again, if you and your friends aren't the six I have been waiting for, then we may once again unleash a torrent of terrifying consequences. This is something my conscience simply cannot bear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, And he goes on to say, like, oh, like, I know that you and your friends have a lot of people who want to help, and I am willing to take the risk of sharing the secret that I've been keeping. I will prepare for you a podcast that explains everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Me, when confronted with any problem whatsoever. (laughs) I I think we should make that our new tagline. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I will prepare for you a podcast that explains everything. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. So then on uh then on March eleventh, uh Eli released a podcast episode called the Omphalos Code. Uh which was a podcast about a secret navigational uh, system used by the ancient Greeks um, that was abandoned when the Romans came to power. Um, and an Ophelos is a hollow dome-shaped stone carved with netting across its surface. Uh, and the Greeks mm. believed that during religious rituals, it could serve as a portal into the world of the gods. So there was one installed at every major temple. I don't know how true this is. I would assume that the people who wrote this actually did their research on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you. I, do, I don't know. Um, and the Omphalos Code for like orientation... Um, was based on astronomy, um, and but it substituted visual symbols of the Olympic gods for the corresponding zodiac signs. So you had to know like which god was associated with each sign of the zodiac, and then like using that, figure out like where that constellation was in in terms of like orienting yourself on a compass um i didn't even know that there were gods associated with the different uh zodiac signs i also didn't know this is totally new to me huh good interesting yeah interesting um and i think hold on i Okay, so he he also the same day put up his secret podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Secret podcast. Secret podcast. On your new feed. Secret, 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 secret podcast. (laughs) Um, And he he sent an email that said... It said, oh god, I lost it. The time has come for me to share a secret and to make a confession. And then linked his uh, his secret podcast feed. Um, But I must say one thing. Not everyone will be capable of understanding the secret, let alone keeping it. I will wait to see if together you can unlock the secret. When and if you can, I will share more of my story. Cool. Cool. This this is a dude that has finally found his chance to shine and been like, ooh, I could be a supervillain about this. Uh-huh. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh and this the secret podcast uh was about was called The Story of the Secret Artifact with historian Eli Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he talks about, like, oh, yes, it's true that I discovered this, like, lost bronze statue when I was ten years old, 
and I turned it into the museum, but I also discovered something else, and I didn't tell a single person. I kept it and studied it for decades, and I'm sharing it with you. I'm sharing it with you now because time is running out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he talks about how he uh, he found a piece of paper inside the the statue. Um, and it was a tiny scroll, but it was written in English and not ancient Greek. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and he posted like scans of it and it has like cryptic directions on it that say, when the time comes, there will be no more time. If traditions have failed, if you can no longer see the horizon of reality, the committee will send six to teach you the limits of your world. The athletes will show you the way. Your games will save you. When travelers appear, appear they will be washed clean by Leith, just as six were in the third year of the 666th Olympiad. When you are ready to receive data, look to Delphi. As you wait for the six, you can build a house of Solomon. You will want to tell others, but you must not. Guard with your life the scientific discoveries of the ancient Olympiad. Remember always that your agonothetai are the secret ones. Instructions for preparing the lost ring. Also, we're going to send one on on first. Um, that is definitely on purpose and not an accident. Um, please don't look too deeply into that fact uh we meant to do it i'll un explain why in our next broadcast thank you bye <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> so we do have d d time traveling olympiads yeah nifty apparently so so they are from the past though am i understanding this right that is the implication i believe yes okay off by one all right uh, he also sent a link to uh, the like the the weird secret site that Ariadne mentioned, um, and it was like a weird um, like computer site that you could put commands into, um, and it had like a, a rotating globe on it that like occasionally had. Uh, like red and green dots pop up on it um, and players later found uh, like a, a couple of days later we'll get there uh, that like there were interactive puzzles that involved the site that they had to work on um, but for the time being it needed like the the like bio data of all of the uh all of the like six amnesiacs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and you could put like different commands in it, and people, uh, people discovered a bunch of uh, a bunch of commands that you could put. Uh, one was authenticate, and it said, "Please enter agonothetai codes and biometrics." Um, and you could say like "hello" in a bunch of different languages, and it would start talking to you in those languages. Um. But pretty much everything, it would say, like, hey, please authenticate. Um, and Agonothetai is uh, the game organizers or, like, the ancient game organizers that uh, that Eli Hunt mentioned in his podcast. 
Okay. Uh, there were a couple of blog entries. I, I Before we keep going, I love the idea of like a group of people at Wizards of the Coast right now being like, ah, this Magic the Gathering game that we've got is going really well, but it could get a little funky in the future. <laughs> We should send some of our best players forward in time to ensure that the sanctity of the games will forever remain in place. Come along, come along, gamers. Let's get you in the pods. It's such a weird idea to just like shoot your gamers to the future to make sure that your games are still going to be good. Would you volunteer to be a magic player shot into the future? <laughs> <laughs> I'll wake up in 2028 and I'll be like, hey, we've got Mega Mega Morph now. Uh, <laughs> they finally printed Urza into the game. Actually, that's the thing that happened in the latest set. Don't don't <laughs> at me. Imagine doing that with like fucking competitive smash. <laughs> <laughs> So because I was like, what's Bayonetta? <laughs> They'd shoot a melee player 11 years into yeah. the future. <laughs> I would play oh that shit, arc. they got Fire Emblem guys that aren't all the same now. Oh my god. <laughs> Who's Shulk? <laughs> That or I love uh, you send like an eight year old into the future after like for Yu-Gi-Oh and they're just like, what the fuck is a synchro summon? Sorry. <laughs> what the heck is a synchro summon? <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, There were also a number of uh, blog entries and, and vlog entries um, from the different like amnesiac participants uh talking about like the stuff that Eli revealed and like the the stuff that Monica had sent over about her uncle um she'd like sent them something else saying that uh uh the like amnesiac that her uncle had been close to um had talked about like his mission being something called the Lost Ring Codex um and that like he and five other people were working on something in order to find it and um and like maybe the website what like the mystery website with the globe was like a tool that they had put together in order to to find it um the different amnesiacs put in their bio stats on the site and wondered about who could be running it. <laughs> it it does seem a little bit odd to put your biometric information into a site without knowing who is yeah. running it, but that's fine, I guess. They're just ahead of the game, and don't worry, it's only McDonald's and the Olympic Committee, two companies with a wonderful track record of being great and ethical. <laughs> Um, Larissa also updated her blog saying, um, maybe this has been happening for decades and decades. Maybe Renata could also be somewhere in the world working on a codex of the lost ring. 
Um, maybe she doesn't know about Ariadne and the others yet. Um, but I believe that both Renata and Jorge, who is Marissa's uncle's friend, were trying to pinpoint the location of the ring. Okay. Um, and Larissa also said that, uh, she also had some, like, postcards from Renata that she had, like, written on the back of with, like, different words and coordinates uh, similar to Monica's story. Um, and she thought that uh, Renata could also have been trying to locate this ring. Hmm. On March 13th, it was found that uh, the mystery site, which was literally just like one of those sites that's just like an IP address that you type into the into the address bar, um, had had puzzles. It, it got it's got puzzles. Oh goody! I love puzzles. I yeah, we we do love a puzzle here on this podcast. <laughs> um, the rest of. The amnesiacs had put their biostats into the site, um, and like made blog posts like, "Hey, we we helped activate the site," um, and blah blah blah, um, and talking about if they could actually uh, trust Eli or not. Um, Marcus also clarified that the biostats they had to put in were uh the length of their ring finger and their resting pulse. Huh. Which is insane. That's yeah, they're gonna send what, pulse oximeters in the mail just for just for checking. I guess. <laughs> um and so the players found once uh like once all the, the characters had activated the stuff um that there were puzzles on the site and basically the structure of each puzzle was that a red dot would fly somewhere onto the like rotating globe um the players had to identify the location of that dot so like a city or a place um enter the name of that place into the command prompt um huh and if the location had a red dot, it would return pending artifact confirmation. And if it had a green dot, uh, it would return a confirmation and a Omphalos code direction. Um, like navigate 6939 Hera 8 degrees or navigate t- uh, 2487 8 Taurus 0. Uh, and they had to use that Omphalos code direction to identify another location at those coordinates and then combine those two place names, enter them as a command prompt, and the system would return artifact location identified and specify the exact location of the artifact. Okay. Uh, and once the artifact was recovered... Um, the players would get a code that they could put into the site that would unlock a PDF of a chapter of the Codex of the Lost Ring. (laughs) Neat. Yeah. And these were like actual physical artifacts, I'm pretty sure. That's cool. It is very cool. 
Okay, so we found the lost ring, right? Yeah. Well, Great. not quite. Good arc. <laughs> so the first one um, popped up on the 13th, um, and it was determined to be Stephenville, and then from there they found that one was in Cardiff and one was in Austin, Texas. Okay. Uh, and the instructions they got for Cardiff were uh, City Hall, Entrance Hall, Bureau, a fixed underside top drawer. Uh, in Austin, Texas, they got History Center, Reading Room, Life of Sam Houston, Reference Shelf, Fourth Row, Second Shelf from Top. <laughs> okay. Um, and for each of these, they found, like, a, I believe, just, like, a little thing with a pass for, hold on, location, the artifacts contain pages of 27 chapters from Codex of the Lost Ring. According to Ariadne, players should take the artifacts they find. What? So I think each artifact was a was like actual printed out pages of the codex. And then they would also come with a passphrase that players could enter to get those pages as a PDF. Okay. That's very cool actually. Yeah, that's really neat. Like I know that we've I know that we've talked about like args doing dead drops of like oh like go to this library and like find a book but this was on like a global scale yeah that's really cool that is wild (laughs) so yeah the the first ones were found in cardiff and texas uh one was retrieved by a player and then one was retrieved by ariadne on the 14th um because uh, some of the players had emailed her about it being in Cardiff and were like, hey, are you still in Cardiff? Um, And she made a blog post about it uh, saying like, hey, I found these pages written in Esperanto uh, where the website said they would be. um, And they proved that whatever happened to the six of us is part of a a much bigger secret because they're from 1918. Um, A, that's wild. B, putting stuff into Esperanto for this arg is really interesting since it's like a language that's supposed to be a unification of all of the romance languages, right? It is. Is that a basic way of saying it? Yeah, I think that's fun. It's it's neat to have an arg where they're like, yeah, we're going to settle into using like the melting pot language. So we're being multilingual. Here we are. Get up to speed. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, uh, Ariane also said, like, I'm going to, like, digitize these pages and, like, put them online so people can see them. I'm also going to try and get them translated. Um, uh, She also said, even though I can't read these pages yet, I think I already know what they say. I feel like I used to know. I used to know the big secret before the amnesia, before I forgot who I was. I used to know the secret. I used to know what is on these pages, and that is why I wound up in the labyrinth. Hmm. The the ancient Greeks really sent her ass to the labyrinth. Yeah, that's... 
I always thought that the labyrinth was just like a myth. I mean, it is, right? They didn't actually have a, a labyrinth that no, they, you locked yeah, folks they in. No. The Minotaur's real. That guy existed, but the labyrinth wasn't. That was <laughs> that was a myth. Yeah, definitely it was that way around. <laughs> Larry existed. He was around hanging out. But he had a house like, a, and a wife and kids. It wasn't... Yeah, you know. History is weird and revisionist, but... Yeah, there's no <laughs> labyrinth. Yeah. Uh, she also put up a blog post with the actual images of the pages um, and said, like, hey, I made a little discussion thread where we can, like, talk about these and, like, try to translate them. I also think that we should use them as leverage against Eli Hunt. If he wants to see them, he has to give us information. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have leverage on this podcaster. Yeah. Um, the first page was loosely translated about um, to be about how Jorge Six had hidden this codex to help groups in the future fulfill their mission. Um, and that and those six seem to be the actual group of like protectors. Uh, they were Kelly, Misha, Jules, Jorge, Akira, and Reiki. Okay. Uh, and it started out with, we believe we found a way home. Um, so <laughs> we trust that Jules' theory about athletic synchronization is right. So even if we start to leave now, your world will have a second chance. <laughs> I like that you can tell this is like extremely written by the person who wrote I Love Bees. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, we've taken twenty-seven years in order to find our way, and finally, Jorge's plan for good luck to change history gave us the best chance. But if you're reading this letter, we failed, and you will not have the luxury of waiting. You will have to write your own history. We saw the consequences of our failure during almost three decades. Misha was haunted with sights of broken worlds and worlds crushed. And if you found the, the first chapter of the Codex, your world is now in danger of dying. Huh. Okay. Um, and it said that if you could find all 27 chapters of the, Cote of the Codex, you could be the new uh, Agonathetai, powerful ringleaders in a mission to recover the ancient secrets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that was, that was page one. Um, the... <laughs> Starts very normal. This that, the whole thing has been page one of the markup of this ARG. Oh no, that was page one of the codex. Sorry. Oh, oh I was gonna say I'm I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and page two, which was also found by Ariadne at the first location, um, had like a list of the six ancient strengths. Uh, that, like, the six were supposed to embody. Um, and some of them... So there were, there was definitely more than six. Uh, I just want to read you some of them. Okay. I hate to see somebody suffer, even my worst enemy. Okay. I like to clarify matters to others. <laughs> just an um-actually guy. I'm fascinated by other lands and cultures. I often helped retain harmony in my group. Okay. 
when I plan, I make sure that it succeeds. <laughs> God. Um, and then each group of pages had like a little proof of recovery code at the bottom. That was what people could plug into the uh, to the site to get their like digitized version. Okay. So the second artifact uh, was recovered on March 15th from Austin, Texas, uh, and they got pages from Chapter 2 of the Codex, uh, where the six travelers explained how they arrived in this world similar to Ariadne and the others, um, and how they discovered that their mission was... Uh, they like discovered their mission from the tattoos on their arms, like being brought together. Uh, and they navigated to the archaeological site at ancient Olympia. Uh, and they finally understood that their mission was to initiate our world with the lost traditions of the labyrinth and athletic synchronization. So their job is to bring back the labyrinth? I guess their job is to do sports really good. I got, I mean, good news for the Olympic Committee. We're still doing that. Yeah. We the, Every four years we get together and do this. Uh, they also said, we left this codex behind because we realized we were possibly not the first six sent to this world and not the last either. We want to help future travelers learn and act more quickly than us. This codex is your memory aid and your clue. We chose the language Esperanto because of the difficulties we had communicating with each other. We are encouraged by the invention of a universal language and intend when we get, come back home to write our own versions of the great work of Smurlo, which I assume was an Esperanto... Hold on, I'm, I'm Googling. I was going to say I assume it was an Esperanto author. Um, unclear. Wait, yes. Vladimir Smurlo was a Russian Esperantist. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Um, and so yeah, that was the, they're talking about their mission. Cool. I, I, I do like that they have a, uh, an in-game reason to, uh, have written the codex in Esperanto. I think that's very fun. <laughs> yeah. It's an, it's really cool. I like that they're incorporating it and doing stuff with it. Yeah. Uh, on March 16th, uh, Eli Hunt emailed several people about the Codex um, and said that he had, uh, like, many years ago, he had, like, found a book in the National Library in Athens that led him to, like, the, the site with the Codex recovery coordinates on it. Um, and he, like, sent people different, uh, like, images that he had scanned from this book. Hmm. Okay. Um, that had notes in it that said, like, the novel of the world, the amplified reversal. Two states exist simultaneously. Yes and no. Each branches. Yes and no and no and yes. The two new pairs of simultaneous states each collapse back into a single state. No and no. <laughs> okay <laughs> oh man oh eli <laughs> 
Uh, Ariadne also, like, updated her blog with the, like, codex PDFs, and the third artifact was retrieved from Shanghai. So, I read on the Wikipedia page for this ARG, this isn't noted on the actual game timeline, um, it said, it says, um, do, uh, just... Just as the scope of the online content was global and multilingual, so was the breadth of the Lost Rings offline tasks. For starters, 27 chapters of the Codex had to be retrieved from 27 cities across the globe. In a number of cases, there were no active players in that city, and it was up to the player community to recruit strangers to do the pickup. Huh. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, that is wild. Imagine contacting a stranger and being like, hey, will you, like, go into a bar and, like, <laughs> find this piece of paper? Yeah. You see that uh, haystack over there? <laughs> I got good news about what we've hidden in there. Yeah. So, yeah, on the, on the 16th, uh, there were artifacts discovered in... Stockholm, Sweden, and Shanghai, China. Oh man, these are really everywhere. I'm reading down the list of of cities. Cool. Wow. It's crazy. Where, where they, all the where all are they? Uh, the UK, Texas, Sweden, Belgium, China, Korea, Australia, South Africa. Canada, California, Japan, Denmark, Buenos Aires, Brazil, Hong Kong, Singapore, New York, Toronto, France, Germany, the UK, France again, Australia, Japan again, Switzerland, India, Brazil, and that's it. God, having the resources to do something on this scale would be so cool. Yeah, that's crazy. Even just having the resources to do something, like, across the United States would be cool, but, like, having <laughs> the having the resources to do something literally global is insane. Yeah, y'all uh, look forward to my next ARG, which is going to take place across the street from my house. <laughs> uh, it's about as far as I have the reach to do stuff. Oh, man. Um, That's super cool. So the Stockholm one was actually recovered. Um, it was it was known at this point on March 16th and 17th that there were artifacts in Shanghai and Stockholm. And so on the 16th, the Shanghai artifact was was obtained, and on the 17th, the Stockholm one was obtained. And I think they actually were out of order like the the shanghai one was supposed to be found after the stockholm one um but it did strictly matter just they got the codex pages a little bit out of order um it was more of the original six talking about uh how they found so many existing labyrinths in our time even though the ancient olympics had been lost um and they failed in setting in constructing new like secret olympic guardians um 
because they thought that their mission was to search for these gamekeepers and inform them that their efforts kept failing for some reason and reteach them the ancient traditions. Um, but they, they found that, uh, the ancient traditions had been completely abandoned. Uh, but they were optimistic because labyrinths still existed, <laughs> I guess. This is the setup to a death game manga. <laughs> Legit, yeah. Uh, our American, our, our Olympic competitions have gotten so simple and so quaint. We've lost the, the death games that existed way back in the day. They've been lost to history. Now five champions have been sent forward into the future to lead new Olympiads into the death games that <laughs> are in the labyrinth of the present and find the ultimate Olympic athlete. Yeah. Like this, this, this feels like a death game. It, it won't go that direction because this is a McDonald's Olympics arg, but <laughs> um, what a weird <laughs> plot. I know. And they were like, we failed in our in our journey to construct new secret gamekeepers, but we thought that we could use the modern Olympics as a means of synchronization. And we <laughs> and if we're wrong, then it will rest on the shoulders of other travelers to reconstruct the ancient organization. If you were sent here in a team of six, then undoubtedly this task will be the core of your mission. Wild. Oh, man. Um, and it laid out that the mission was to establish new gamekeepers. Uh, they must be dedicated to learning the science of athletic synchronization, must understand this and must understand the theory of the many worlds. Uh, they will be ringleaders guarding your world's journey back to the synchronized ring of many worlds. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Weird, yeah. And uh, Ariadne talked to one of the players and said that uh, she wanted the players to build a personality test based on the personality aspects that the codex said that the gamekeepers should have. Okay. Uh, in order to, I guess, find the new gamekeepers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. Again, how this it is. is a death game manga. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> oh boy. Uh, on March 18th, Eli Hunt, uh, emailed one of the players, uh, saying that he had been, like, following the, the codex and, and reading the codex and that he had some opinions on it naturally, um, and was, like, I think that I have some further notes in my found copy of this book from, like, the Athens library that speak to the other strengths uh, that are in, that are detailed in the codex. Perhaps these notes would be of interest to you. Okay. Oh. And uh, more artifact locations were found. Uh, these ones in Belgium and Australia. And a new command for the secret site was found. Uh, you could command it to run graph, and it would show you a graph uh, with the Schrodinger equation at the top, 
and it ran okay. on a year axis from 1800 to 2008. Uh, and it was okay. completely unknown what the graph was actually graphing. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, but there were six lines on it, and that's what was known. <laughs> um, Eli Hunt also emailed on the 19th uh, a player about saying, <laughs> I can indeed be of some assistance here, perhaps of even greater assistance than you suspected. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm attaching an image of further notes in the old copy of the Wisdom of the Ancients and the New Atlantis. I take it from other emails I have received of late that these may be of some substantial use to Ariadne and her friends. Some will judge me harshly for not sharing this information sooner, but I believe that the first six travelers must certainly have had a purpose in mind by separating the clues in this way. It is as if they wanted us to work together. Surely they divided the data in this way to prevent any individual or single group from enacting their great plan alone. It's for this reason that I believe I must continue to withhold information until it is needed. Oh, good. We're just outlining how uh, ARGs work, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just kind of throwing that out there. Surely these people from the past intended me to not tell you things. Right. What was, what was your job again, coming back from the past? <laughs> the whole, like reason you're here it was it was information based right yeah that was the okay mm -hmm. no i'm just asking you're you're good no you tell me whenever yeah uh and the uh the book page that he scanned and sent to this player uh had a note in it that said which of the following activities make you the happiest um and had like little notes for the different attributes next to them uh, but the options were thinking and learning, exploring and playing, interacting and helping, planning and organizing, <sighs> listening and guiding, storytelling and art making. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the fifth artifact was received from the Sydney location uh, and they got chapter five, which was preparing the human labyrinth. Okay. The Labyrinth for the Olympics. Love to hear it. Great. Athletes that are trained and develop their strengths will learn that they can finish the labyrinth designed for the Olympics. Eight turnings are needed to escape the official Olympic labyrinth. Do they know what a labyrinth is? Yeah. <laughs> it was... The, the Olympic Games had actual sports. It yes. wasn't just get buff, and then go into a dungeon. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you all go for it. Have fun. Um, they, uh, the amphitheater on this day also, the, the amphitheater being what the, the players nicknamed the little globey thing, uh, also reported that, uh, the chapter four artifact had been found, even though no one had picked it up or posted the code so that's fun either someone found it and secretly put the code in or the game masters decided it was a lost cause uh, <laughs> and they found that chapter 4 was planning finding space for a labyrinth hmm. 
uh, which okay. talked about how big your labyrinth playing space should be. <laughs> it's it's a is there a fundamental misunderstanding here? It's a labyrinth. Yes. <laughs> you go into a dungeon and you follow one path and then you come out the other side. You can't play labyrinth unless you have like a mile to work with. Correct. <laughs> okay. So I make sure that we're on we're on the same page vis-a-vis what a labyrinth is. Because your labyrinth is a lost sport in your world, you must find places where you will not draw undesired attention to your creation. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Athletes training for Olympic competition use shorter <sighs> labyrinths to develop their speed, courage, and sense of direction. Okay. Uh, and it had a bunch of like different maps of, of labyrinths on it. Wild. Oh boy, I just peeked ahead to chapter six. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited to go into the labyrinth. I do feel the need to remind you that this that the labyrinth is apparently navigated with a blindfold on. <laughs> like, that is a key aspect of the sport, apparently. Okay, that's going to make the manga a lot worse, but sure. <laughs> Um, some of the characters updated their blogs about, um, the, like, new chapters that have been found. Uh, Marcus asked people to translate the codex into German so that he could read them. Uh, Diego updated and said that he has been investigating the same trails that Renata had been investigating, um, and he was currently in Brazil, um, and he was keeping track of everyone on the forums. Um, and the players made a personality test. Uh, and they Ooh. sent it to Ariadne, um, who filled it out and then I believe put it up on her website. Um, yes. And it was just, uh, like, here are all of the options from the uh from the thing like pick one line from each group that best describes you um and then it would tell you which of the six types of character you were huh okay or which of the six ancient strengths i tell you yeah (laughs) i like the idea of sending buzz uh buzzfeed quizzes to arg npcs to get to know them better I do too. I think Navy really exposed. People should have sent Bowtie Nebula. Like, which Eminem are you? Okay, they did. They did kind of do that when they made different characters fill out the forum survey. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in in reverse, where they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna send you a bunch of personality quizzes." That is true. They should have done that. The next it's day, character RG building. We do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the next day, RG, we do. Everyone send our NPCs BuzzFeed personality quiz. Yeah, tip for writers. Don't worry about your character's agency or goals or what they want in life. Uh, Go and fill out a BuzzFeed quiz as your character. You'll know them better that way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And Larissa answered some questions about Renata on the, like, Find the Lost Ring forum. Um... And said, 
Uh, Renata in the last few months spent a lot of time alone. I was never suspicious of anything, but now I understand I should have been more alert. I think she researched all kinds of places. I remember seeing some books of Brazilian geography and others... And, and others. I never asked Eli if Renata was one of the people he met a few years back, also because Renata didn't have a passport and she wouldn't have been able to get out of Brazil. I didn't find the postcard she wrote, but I'm searching my notebooks page, page by page to see if Renata wrote anything on them. Okay. Uh, there were some more blog entries that were just like, story so far, uh summaries and marcus started posting german translations of the codex um a bunch of the main uh a bunch of the main characters took the personality test which is very cute and uh translated the codex into their own languages um and on march 23rd uh, Ariadne posted a blog entry saying uh, that she'd had a strange dream about an earthquake. That's just Vesuvius. You're good. <laughs> you missed that one by a little bit. <laughs> um, And she also said that she was getting worried about Diego uh, going off on his investigation in Brazil um, because Renata had disappeared for years ago on exactly the same kind of investigation. Um, and she's like been having these very weird dreams about this earthquake. Um, and she's worried that like something bad is going to happen to Diego. Hmm. Okay. Mm, indeed. On March 24th. Ariadne posted, well, March 24th was significant because it was the day that the Olympic flame was lit for the Beijing Olympics. Okay. Um, so this is, the Beijing Olympics are happening now. Uh, well, the the flame has to do the 130 day tour around the world. Oh. Yeah. Got you. The torch is being lit, not yes. the. Not the, the big. The, the big one, the. Yes, the the small the small torch <laughs> is being lit, and it's right. gonna make its its rounds. Okay, uh, not the Olympic torch, which is the big one, right? Yes, correct. Is there a big word I'm forgetting for the big torch? I don't know. I don't know. The bonfire, the Olympic bonfire. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um. So that that happened on March 24th, and also Ariadne posted a blog entry that said. Someone broke into my room. They took the artifact and they left this message. Ooh. Dear Ariadne, what you don't remember can't hurt you, and it's my job to make sure you never remember. You and your friends may outnumber us, but we have a 1,600-year advantage. You will never find the lost ring, and the six of you will never return home. Theo. Okay. Uh, and she said... Okay, I have to leave Cardiff tonight, and maybe you all should forget about the lost ring. This whole thing started because I thought I was an ordinary girl with amnesia. I built this website and asked for your help because I really believed that somewhere out there, a family was missing me. I was convinced I could find them over the internet. Maybe when you first saw this website, you believed that story too. 
But now we know better, don't we? No one is going to solve my amnesia. No one is going to recognize me. I probably don't even exist in this world. There is no family here for me. My family exists in a different world. Call it a parallel universe or an alternate reality or quantum world or whatever. I still don't understand how it works. All I know is that to get back home to my world, I'm supposed to dig up an ancient secret that we all might be better off not knowing. I'm supposed to bring back a lost tradition that apparently can either save the earth or destroy it, depending on how we do it. Well, maybe the forgotten mysteries of the Olympics should stay forgotten. Just because someone tattooed a mission on my arm doesn't mean I have to accept it. (laughs) And then a jump cut and... Okay, I just had to get that out of my system. I'm sure that's exactly what Theo is hoping I'll say. (laughs) 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 god uh but let's face it i don't have a choice i'm stuck with this mission whether i like it or not it's my feet and i don't think i'll ever escape it but you well you didn't sign up for this you still have a choice luckily good news about uh, labyrinth is that you can get out anytime you want yeah that's that's what they say about labyrinths Uh uh-huh uh-huh I do love when an ARG has a big flashing, like, turn back now sign for the players, <laughs> knowing that they're not going to do it. Uh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I don't know who that sign's for, but I can't read. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was just like, well, you can, you can go and never access the site again, and I'll understand. It's like, all right. <laughs> okay. Um, on the 25th, the artifact in, I think, Belgium? Yeah. The one, uh, that was from Belgium that, like, someone had input the code for, but, uh, like, hadn't, it hadn't actually been found, was finally found. Um, someone contacted one of the players via Facebook uh and they went to oh no a player contacted like a random friend who lived in the area via facebook who then went (laughs) to the location and found a message that said document recovered i'll communicate the recovery code to lucy and ariadne if you need it before here it is and it had the recovery code uh so that they could put it on the site (laughs) great (laughs) Uh, and Ariadne made a blog post that said, someone found the Bruxelles artifact. It looks like a diagram and instructions for building a human labyrinth. We didn't know who found it or where the artifact is now. It's kind of strange. Someone left a note behind saying they would send word to me or Lucy, but they never did. Kind of mysterious. Huh. Um, and this gave them chapter six, how to create the walls. Goody. The walls of the labyrinth are formed with athletes' bodies. I need to share. I need to share this picture with you. Hold on. Okay. I almost just copy pasted it into, into a different Discord. Oh no! What is? <laughs> the labyrinth walls are just a bunch of people holding hands. <laughs> okay. Is just people holding? There's not an actual labyrinth. It's just. Nope. People uh, <laughs> hold hands and form a labyrinth? Yep. 
Uh, unless you assemble a very large team of 150 or more, you will not have enough athletes to make the entire labyrinth at the beginning of the competition. Instead, you will create the walls when they are needed, beginning in the center and accordingly outward. When the runner moves the- through the labyrinth, the wall moves with the runner. Uh, okay. When the runner approaches you, start to turn. When the runner goes by you, cease turning. When the runner is completely past you, leave your place and move along the way. The wall has to move faster than the runner to ensure that the runner is always surrounded by walls. Sure. I'm going to be real with you. My understanding of a labyrinth is completely deflated in the course of this (laughs) ARG. So you just make a long tube with you and 150 of your closest friends. Yeah, and then a blindfolded person runs through it like a maze. (laughs) Marn, this is one of the dumbest ARGs we've covered. (laughs) Oh my god, it kind of is. I truly thought that they were going to set up for some kind of like, oh, you didn't dig a labyrinth? You didn't build the machine for your Olympiads to go through? Uh-uh. And now it's just like Red Rover. <laughs> this is just like a party trick. Yep. Oh, okay. So we all run and make a labyrinth. How How long do you go? Do you just... You go, you go until the, the runner gets out. It, it does clarify that there's like a pattern on the ground that you stand on so that you know which way to move. Okay. Um, so then on the 26th, uh, the next couple of artifacts were found. Uh, both were found in a Western Maryland Railway, co- railway Company envelope. Uh, despite being in Boise, Vancouver, and New Delhi and Tokyo. Okay. Which is interesting. <laughs> um, so they got chapters seven and eight of the codex. Uh, chapter seven was while running in the labyrinth. Uh, and it was rules that said, you will begin at the center of the labyrinth and navigate your way outwards. You will be blindfolded during the length of the event. You will keep your arms folded across your chest at all times. You will navigate by sound. The wall will hum in order to guide you. <laughs> you will run through the labyrinth so, by your... So, <laughs> me and my friends all get together and we hold hands. And a person wears a blindfold and runs between us as we just... Uh, yep. <laughs> and then they go past. We go. Huh, 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 huh. Exactly. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> I need to know if there is a point at this ARG when they had to do this in real life. I I'm becoming increasingly <laughs> sure that that's what this is leading up to, and I'm so excited. <laughs> this is. It's just. Uh, silly and not in a fun way to me. Um, this also had instructions on skills that you needed to develop to run the labyrinth, such as becoming spatially oriented. <laughs> sure, making sure the vibes are good. Yeah, you know. 
runners are disqualified on account of the following actions. Removing the blindfold, knocking down the wall, returning to the center by mistake, reversing direction and moving backwards to, to the center, past the end of the wall, if the wall is moving further along the path. Okay. Control your fear. Fear is the biggest obstacle to speed in the labyrinth. Yeah, fear is the mind killer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chapter 8 of the Codex was on doors and parallel paths. Okay. Uh, and it talked about how the game runners organize synchronous labyrinths across the many worlds because they create a perfect coordination, one design, one path, and one direction. All synchronous labyrinth runners share a single journey experienced in perfect parallel, creating a little wave of powerful synchronicity across the many, many worlds. The sudden explosion of synchronicity pulls the worlds closer temporarily, creating a door only long enough to allow communication and movement between them. Okay. So, running and creating the labyrinth also creates a synchronous multiversal event. <laughs> uh, that allows for multiversal communication okay so there you have it i guess um <laughs> the next day they got uh chapter 11 of the codex from uh the next few dead drops which established that uh there are many worlds like there's a multiverse we know that uh each time a decision is made reality splits up into two branches there will be one world with the one decision and one world with the opposite decision uh there are mainly two factors why parallel worlds differ from each other the first factor is the human history and the second factor is the geological history based on the decisions of the Earth and different movements of the Earth's crust. Therefore, parallel worlds have a different... Some parallel worlds have a totally different continent structure than our world. That's actually very cool. Yeah, okay. I like that. Huh. I, li- I, I like that it, it, uh, it has... It kind of takes, like, natural decisions into account for the split timelines. Yeah, I, I like that. It's neat. I think it's fun. I'm I'm excited to see how the Maryland Railway Company becomes relevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the twenty eighth, uh, Monica posted a, uh, Monica posted a forum post on Find the Lost Ring. Uh, saying that she had visited uh, her aunt and examined some of her uh, great, I I think great grandfather. It's, it keeps being translated as her uncle's grandfather. So that would be her great grandfather, right? Um, that or like. No, it's her great, great grandfather. If it's your uncle's grandfather, then it would be your. Like, my dad's grandfather is my great-grandfather. Yeah, okay. Yeah, And then your uncle's grandfather, depending on where that uncle fits, I don't think necessarily would be your great-grandfather, depending on, like, which side of the family and stuff like that. But I don't know all the... I don't know all the... Uh, 
<laughs> the details off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. Um, she visited her, her uncle's grandfather's house um, and examined his stuff, uh, but she doesn't really know what she should be looking for. Um, so she asked the uh, the players, basically, like, hey, there's, like, all this stuff here. Can you think of, like, any idea of what I should be looking for to, like, figure out if this guy was, like, involved with the the six and, like, the, the time travel and, and whatever. Um, Eli also uploaded a new podcast Did called he? The Labyrinth with Did historian he? Eli Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, explaining the myth of the labyrinth, and then you had to take a quiz at the end. Great. Uh, Ariadne also uh, put up a vlog called Let's Play the Lost Sport. (laughs) Okay. And it had a caption that said, Have we found the lost sport? I think so. And now that we know how to play, we're obviously going to need to teach others about the labyrinth. So here are three easy steps for people who've never heard of the labyrinth. Find out the history of the lost sport. Check out Eli's podcast on the lost sport of Olympia. Learn the rules of the lost sport. Read parts four, five, six, and seven of the lost ring codex. Sign up to play the labyrinth at a live training event or host your own. I started an upcoming group for labyrinth events. Please join the group and announce your own games near you. Obviously, (laughs) we'll want to meet up at some point and hold our own competitions. Obviously. Obviously. Yes, 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 yes. Obviously. Obviously, they have to play the labyrinth. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. God. Meanwhile, some of the other uh, characters had been kind of emailing back and forth with different players who could email them in their own languages. Um, Marcus uh, emailed one of the players who had been asking about uh, an artifact in Germany uh, that hadn't been found yet and said, regarding the chapter of Brussels, I do not have an idea. Perhaps it had something to do with the person who broke into Ariadne's room. Okay. Uh, on the 30th, uh, Ariadne put up a blog post, uh, called the true story of the labyrinth and weird Eli hunt news. Uh, Eli had put up his, his labyrinth, uh, podcast and Ariadne said I have to admit I kind of hate Eli Hunt but I kind of completely love this podcast (laughs) 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 even though we won't come right out and say it I know Eli is trying to help us he knows that we have to learn how to design human scale labyrinths in order to train for the lost sport so he obviously posted this podcast to help us with their mission he's part of our team even if he's too stubborn to admit it or even talk to me Um, and yeah, she Eli about, should pitch Moonshot. <laughs> yeah, he should. Um, and she talks about how she has been trying to get in touch with Eli, uh, but he is apparently MIA. Uh, she talked to the secretary at the society where he was like a writer in residence, uh, and he is apparently on leave to pursue a research lead in South America. 
Um, and she and Ariadne kind of puts forth some theories that like maybe Diego or Larissa have run into him or like maybe their friends know what he's gone to investigate or maybe he was spooked by the artifact being stolen or the mysterious Theo paid him a visit as well. Mm. Um, and she also says that the postcard that Theo left a note on for her was a photo of the 1920s Olympic Stadium in Antwerp, uh, which was around the time that the Codex was hidden. Okay. Uh, she said, why did Theo try to threaten me with a picture of a 1920s stadium? To prove that he knows what I know, or to suggest that he knows more than I know? I think we need some new ideas. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on March 31st, uh, Lucy updated her blog saying that she had a dream about standing in the Olympic Stadium in France, surrounded by people dressed like the 1920s. Uh, and it had a stone with a omphalos code on it that indicated a destination of Jordan or Jerusalem. And Lucy has decided that she had to, that she needs to head there. Uh, in order to follow the clue. Okay. The next artifact was also found in Buenos Aires, and the players got chapter 10 of the Codex uh, on parallel geography, uh, which said, which talks about how to synchronize a labyrinth precisely at one place across several worlds. Um, and to achieve maximum linking, one world normally runs labyrinths at six different locations so that each of them is linking to at least one other world. Hmm. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's... Like, the, the theory behind it is that, like, oh, like, the, the center of a city in one world could be, like, the middle of the ocean for another, so you have to pick like at least six locations to run your labyrinth. Yeah. It's like triangulating something. You got to like make sure everything's locked down and anchored. Right. Mm -hmm. It's neat. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, all of the like players and characters had been like assigning themselves these different personality types, uh, via the quiz. And, on in April, they started to be assigned specific missions to these types. Okay. Which is very fun. Yeah. Uh, the Sophia mission, uh, which was the Seekers of Knowledge, uh, was to finish or was to investigate the run graph and figure out what the graph was for. Okay. Um, the Thumos mission, which was, uh, the adventurers, was to practice running the labyrinth pattern. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta practice. You gotta get into it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of these had, like, different emails that were sent out with them, which was very, very cool. Uh... That was just like, hey, look at this cool thing that you should investigate. I, okay, I do love 
having the players assign themselves different, like, personality groups based on, like, here are the kinds of puzzles that I like to do. And yeah. then have, like, specifically sending them being like, hey, investigate this thing that is, like, to your strengths. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's cool to have some like, this, one of the, the coolest things about this ARG is just the sense of scale that it has. And the fact that mm -hmm. it's like, great, we've got six different puzzle tracks for this ARG, depending on which type of puzzler you want to be. That's really cool. And something it that, like... Yeah. I can only dream of having that kind of <laughs> ability to plan stuff like that. Yeah, I, it literally is, though. Like, it's it's the kind of puzzles you are. There's uh, Seeker of Knowledge, Adventures, uh, the, the person who does, like, social links, uh, leaders, counselors, and truth finders, which do, like, artistry stuff. Okay. Like, yeah, that makes complete cool. sense yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the, the different missions were, like, oh, knowledge seekers, you investigate the run graph and, like, see if you can find out what it does. Adventurers, practice running the labyrinth pattern. Um, people who do, like, the the social stuff and, like, the, the heart of the team people, uh, like, go out and find the artifact. Like, find someone who can get the artifact in seal because like we don't have any players there but like surely you are willing to contact someone and like make that social connection and like get and get the artifact um <laughs> and the the leadership people their mission was to help like organize training events for running the labyrinth um for the counselors their uh, their mission was, I'm scrolling down the page, uh, help Diego, Lucy, and Mehui on their missions. Um, Diego is still doing his geographic invest investigations. Uh, Lucy was off to the Middle East. Uh, Mehui is collecting the Codex chapters to translate into Chinese. Uh, needed people to talk to her and figure out how to put best put her skills to use. Um, and for the uh, the like artistry truth finder people, their mission was to make a cheat sheet of the rules to the labyrinth. Cool. Yeah, that's really neat and a neat way to like engage everyone in your audience, however you need them to. Yeah, it's it's really fun to be like, okay, you like to solve like you like to solve puzzles in this specific way. Like here are puzzles that we have literally like tailored towards the way in which your brain likes to solve puzzles. Like that rules to me. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. It's it's very neat. Um on April 3rd, three new artifacts were found. Uh, giving the players chapters 9, 12, and 14 of the Codex, uh, which talked about how in 480 BC, uh, the lost sport of labyrinths was forbidden, uh, most labyrinths were destroyed, and the gamekeepers were abolished, but a secret society continued. 
to avoid being found, they started to change the labyrinth walls from stone to human, so that labyrinths could be built everywhere without leaving a trace after they were run. Okay. Uh, chapter 12 was on pan-cosmology, uh, and the pan-cosmology classification system, which organized uh, different universes into six main groups based on the similarities and differences in the arrangement of continents on the surface of each Earth. Hmm, okay. Um, and chapter 14 was called The Limits of the Many Worlds, uh, which is about how the multiverse cannot grow infinitely large. Okay. <laughs> uh, for, for reasons about the maximum limit of reality and how no one knows what would occur if that upper limit is passed... Uh, okay. there's, a, there's a theory that if the upper limit is reached, all worlds will collapse back into one world. The effect of restarting the multiverse is called the elastic reaction. To avoid this, reality continuously reunites similar worlds. But because of the free will in human history, our decisions lead to a rapidly increasing of, a rapid increasing of the total number of worlds. Sure. 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 This... This energy is so much insane world building. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we're going to find out that it's not actually uh, an infinite multiverse. It's just you line up the different universes and have them hold hands. And then when you want to look at the other ones, you take the ones it's not looking at and put those in their place instead. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. It's how they make video games and it's how we do multiverses too. Yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. Uh, on April 4th, chapter 13 of the Codex was found, um, which was more about, like, the, the six different types of worlds. Um, and pan-cosmologists had found that uh, the number of Neo-Pangea worlds uh, was significantly rising, uh, and they proposed a theory of rapid continental change as a natural way to synchronize the geographical history of different worlds and reduce the number of parallel worlds. Okay. So, like, forcing continental change in order to collapse worlds into each other, I think, is, is what they're saying. Okay. I'm not sure that I get it, but alrighty then. You all have fun. I'm still in the labyrinth. <laughs> Um, Monica also posted on April 5th about, uh, a second visit that she had made, uh, to her aunt to look for stuff in her uncle's grandfather's house. Um, and she, and the players had told her to look for, like, anything mentioning the Western Maryland Railway Company, because a lot of the artifacts had been found in those company envelopes. Um, and she says that she mentioned it to her aunt, who said that she remembered finding, like, it, it triggered a memory of, like, finding a piece of paper um, in her, like, grandfather's office while she was cleaning it, 
that had like a weird sequence of dots on it and she thought that it was scrap paper and threw it out but uh her grandfather got like really upset and like had like dug through the trash to find it um and like put it back on his desk and she was like oh i bet that, that was like the important document that you're looking for um and Monica says, like, she went into the office and she looked for it, and it was a paper that said Western Maryland Railway Company on it. Um, and she sent photos of it to the players. Um, she found a map uh, of... Hold on. She found several maps. Uh, one was Central Park in Philadelphia, uh, with a labyrinth map drawn over the map of the park, uh, and a handwritten note that said node number 16. Uh, there's also Hmm. a map on tracing paper, uh, which one of the players, uh, that also had labyrinths on it, which one of the players recognized as uh, Ontario in the middle of Lake Huron and Lake Erie um, with a little bit of Michigan jutting up into it. Yeah, that's what Um, we do. uh, There was also a map of North America that had a handwritten note that said, one journey to create the Ophelos. Um, And another note that said, one rock covered by a net with at least 27 knots. Uh, she hmm. found a photograph that had a note that said, names and their meanings, Greek name meaning giver of light, and a handwritten note that said Annabelle. Uh, and a postcard that said in Spanish, uh, when we run the labyrinth in this world, we must know where we are in the other worlds. My team is here in this world, and it had coordinates. Reiki has ca- calculated that we are also here, and it had a list of other coordinates. Our calculations are by now very imprecise. We depend on what Misha sees when she can run the labyrinth on the fault lines. We are not yet always sure of what we see, nor if we are associating the aligning points correctly. Uh, And the coordinates were to Warren, Ohio, Munich, Germany, Toulouse, France, Oran, Algeria, Madison, Wisconsin, and Brasilia, Brazil. Okay. So that was... Apparently the meaning of the first postcard that was like, hey, we are here and also here and here and here. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Larissa on April 5th also received a postcard. Uh, it was a recent photo of Renata in Hollywood. And it had a message on the back that said, Larissa, Renata didn't disappear. She just didn't want you involved. Stay out of it, Theo. Ooh, intrigue. Yeah, a little bit of a little cliffhanger. Okay, turns out there's some weirdness with all the Olympic at. Maybe I think she came back and realized, hey, there's a reason they cut Olympic Labyrinth. This shit sucks. I'm going to get into fencing. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that's what it is. She's like, "Holy shit, I can do it's a pentathlon?" <laughs> I do five whole things. And what is this weird stick with? Holy shit. I shoot something too. Wow. Wow. Labyrinth is for losers. This is where it's at. 
She discovered bobsledding. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I'm going to destroy Nathan Chen. <laughs> oh, oh, well, man. I'm excited to pick up here next time and find out what all is going on with the Olympic Games. Yeah, I uh, am. It's I'm slightly concerned that we're still in April and this apparently ran until August. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. We might have to truncate some of the notes on this one. <laughs> we'll be here until the Olympics. Uh, oh, but we'll man. figure that out ourselves. In the meantime, Marn, uh, do you want to get into any recommendations this week? I do. Uh, I have a recommendation for this week. Uh, everybody go pause this podcast right now and go play Pentiment. Come back later. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing that's incredible. Uh, yeah, it fucking rules. I uh, On Saturday night, I was like... Oh, it's on. I was like, oh, Pentiment's on Game Pass. I guess I'll check it out. And I literally spent like the whole next day uh, playing it to completion, finished, went online to make a bunch of posts about how good it was, immediately opened it back up, and started playing a second save file. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Um, if you listen to other podcasts on the network, uh, Zoe from the Maniculum worked on it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. if you like medieval stories and uh, weird manuscripts, you should check out the Maniculum for the weird bit of crossover. Yeah, um, Pentiment. So Pentiment is a, uh, it, it's like a, a choose your own adventure type game. Like you don't have to be a, a quote unquote gamer to play it. It's mostly like dialogue prompts and like point and click puzzles, but without a lot of the like weird logic that point and click games have um and you play as a journeyman artist in the 16th century uh trying to solve a murder and it's all done in the art style of like illuminated manuscripts and it's very cool and i like it a lot and it is beautiful to look at and the writing rules and it does a lot of very cool stuff that I love. It's it looks sick. I haven't gotten a chance to check it out. I've seen a couple of like screenshots that all look mm -hmm. really cool of the art design and the way that the game gets laid out to you as things go on and develop. I've I've heard awesome things about it. I just haven't been able to check it out, but it is like at the tip top of my to-do list. Yeah. Just like visually, it is a gorgeous game and it's so cool. Like the little things that they do in the artwork, like um, characters who are older, like physically and visibly are rendered in like more of a painterly style instead of like the woodblock prints. Um, and like, different people have different like fonts for their dialogue depending on how literate your character assumes they are uh and if you discover along the way through like dialogue trees that they're more or less literate than your character assumes they are the font changes it like erases itself and changes to a different font it's so cool that's really cool i like that a lot it rules oh, good game <laughs> everybody go play it <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm I'm trying to think. I don't really have a recommendation this week. I have been really busy uh, 
playing the new Pokemon, which is it's Pokemon. You don't need me uh, shilling for it as a recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I haven't really watched anything new. So <laughs> no new inputs this week. Um, my my recommendation is uh, migraine medicine. That's my recommendation. Uh, I'm I just started taking uh, new meds every day to help me with my migraines, and the amount of them that I get is down a lot. So, if you have the opportunity, you should get some. That's my recommendation. Nice. It's a life changer. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um, my other recommendation is a uh, picture picture show to moonshot. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing that I've been doing is listening to pitches for new shows on Moonshot, which is why I didn't want to like get into them too deep because I've been listening to a lot of great shows that I can't talk about. Um, yeah, but if you have a podcast or have an idea for a podcast, you should pitch it to Moonshot. Uh, we've got our submissions open for the next couple weeks. I want to say it's December thirteenth is our cutoff. Yes. Is that right? Thirteenth is our cutoff. Yep. Uh, you can find our, our pitching guidelines. They're on Twitter at Moonshot Pods. We've got it pinned to our uh, submission form. Uh, find the form, fill out what you want to pitch, how you want to do it, and we'll listen to it, contemplate your idea, see if it's a good fit for the network. We're looking to pick up uh, kind of a small number of shows uh, for the beginning of 2023. Jesus Christ, is that I the know. year that's coming up? Yep. Good Lord. Um it's already the end of November. I still think we're in September. Um, but yeah, you should check it out. Uh, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff starting in the new year and joining our network. So keep an eye on this space is a phrase that I've never gotten to say and feels really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to start listening to them. I haven't started listening to actually any of them yet. I've, I've, I've listened to a couple. I'm kind of holding on. Well, we can, it will get in the weeds. I've listened to a couple. Things are sounding cool so far. I'm very excited for this pitch process. Um, you can be a part of it. Twitch. Not twitch.tv. Twitter.com <laughs> slash moonshot pods. Find that submission document. Yeah. And I think that that's going to do it for us. So until next time, if you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter for now, other sites possibly in the future. Uh, but I am at co-host Sherms. I am at Corpse Survivors. And if you want to find us together, you can do so. We are at Argonauts Pod. Uh, otherwise, you can find us in email. That's ArgonautsPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on things like Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Moonshot Network is our ongoing Twitch account. Uh, we've got all sorts of cool, um, cool streams going up. Last week, we did a thing called the Parliament, our first chance at that one. Uh, all of our Twitch VODs are available, some of them on Twitch all of them on YouTube. So we're doing a lot of cool stuff, even outside of podcasts. And if you want to be a part of it, come find it and check us out and uh, join us in the Twitch chat. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for us for now. So until next time, that's ARGS, baby. You know, Frosty the Snowman, it's truly the most quintessential Christmas song. It introduces a beloved figure who invites the children to come to him, gets into an altercation with state authorities. Right, the hollering stop. And then he dies, but promises to be back again one day. Frosty is a Christ figure. 
Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Catherine. And we're I'll Be Pod for Castmas, a seasonal podcast where we overanalyze Christmas pop songs and movies and put them into conversation with some unlikely pieces of literature. Don't be a cringe. Join us on I'll Be Pod for Castmas on the Moonshot Podcast Network.